Can you hear me well now? We'll continue our series, Piecing Life Together today. I'd like you to um, be reading with me Colossians chapter 2. Before we read that, let me tell you about a minister who was running late for an appointment and um, parked his car on, in a non-parking uh, zone and put a note on the uh, windshield wiper saying something like this. I have circled the block 10 times and I couldn't find a parking space with a meter. So, please forgive our trespasses. When he came back from the appointment, he got a note from a police officer that says, I have circled this block for the last 10 years. If I don't give you a ticket, I will, miss my, I will lose my job. Lead us not in, into temptation. Let's pray. Father, today we need to hear from you about real life in Christ that includes forgiveness and living without guilt and living in, with the power of Christ. So we pray that you continue to lead us through this service. Amen. Let's read together. And if you would like to stand up with me and read with me, that would be great. It's very short, I promise. When you were dead and in of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. I mean, counsel in depthness, which is too against us and condemned us. Having disarmed the powers and authorities, Amen. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. You know, I believe that every Christian can live and can be alive with Christ. Just because the Bible is clear that we could do that and we can do that at least by practicing three truths. And one of them, you can see it clearly from the very beginning, he says, the writer is talking about forgiveness, but he says, when you were dead. One thing, one thing about Apostle Paul is he is pretty straightforward. He'll tell you the truth right on your face, on my face. He'll not go around trying to be nice with us so we can feel good about ourselves. He will, he will say whatever he has to say directly, straightforward to us. And he comes with this word that is pretty strong. He says, when you were dead in your sins, no, he didn't say mistakes, bad judgment, or something like, nicer like that. He said, Dead, where? <laughs> in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh. That means a lot. When you are uncircumcised, according to the Jewish tradition, you, are, you have not joined the chosen community. So, if you are going, if I am going, if we are going to be alive in Christ, the very first truth 
that we need to practice and embrace in our lives is we have to live in forgiveness. Now, according to this test that we just read, and you can see it right now in front of you, how many sins did God forgive you and forgive us? How many? Are you sure? Let me tell you, forgiveness is not a human creation, but a divine gift. Forgiveness is not a human creation, but a divine gift. From the very beginning, God is showing humans that forgiveness is something that rounds, rounds, comes from his heart directly. He came up with that. He understood our failure, and he decided from the very beginning that he will forgive us. Now, he didn't do that out of obligation. He did that out of love. Now, love desires the best on behalf of the other person, even when that person has not earned that love. When you say to somebody, I love you, be careful because that person might disappoint you. Let me tell you why. Because that person is a human being. And God says, that he loves us. And he knows that we are going to disappoint him. And he keeps saying, I love you. It is an intentional decision to embrace the other with the gift of life. You know, the original meaning of forgiveness, you know that very well because you know English, right? Forgiveness. Is to give. And it comes from the Latin word donare. Or dono. Donation. To give. Another meaning of forgiveness is to give up the desire and the power to punish. To give up the desire and the power to punish. And that's really important because sometimes, sometimes you have the desire, but no, you don't have the power to punish. And sometimes you have the power, but you don't have the desire. And this person is making sure that you understand whether you desire or you have the power. If you are forgiving somebody, you are giving up your desire and the power to punish a person. And that's exactly what God did. So living in forgiveness means embracing other people as God, as God does. Let me tell you something important, important clarification here. Just make sure that the phrase other people includes you too. Some people are really good about forgiving somebody else. They can't for, forgive themselves. And maybe we have some people in this room that have that particular um, practice of forgiving somebody else, but not being able to forgive themselves. Maybe we do, maybe we don't. But living in forgiveness is understanding that forgiveness is a gift. It's something that you didn't earn. You didn't earn forgiveness from God. I didn't either. So God gave it to us. 
There's a fascinating story in Genesis chapter 4 when Cain, how many remember Cain? A, a nice guy, right? He decided that he will kill his brother, he, and he did. And God interviewed him before the actual job was done and, asked, and, and told him and tried to tell him something else. You know, go about your brother in a different way. Even though you have the power to dominate sin, it's up to you if you don't want to. But then Cain killed Abel, and then God interviewed him again and said, look, from now on, you are going to be exiled from this land. And he became so worried, Cain, worry about somebody killing him now. And, and God said, don't worry about that. I'm going to put a mark on you. For sure, it wasn't 666. <laughs> so he put a mark on him, and he said, whoever kills Cain, Cain will be avenged seven times over. Now they believed that, and he believed that, and he kept repeating that seven times over revenge. And then he's one of his descendants, interesting story, named Lamech. Lamech was a very powerful guy. He was so powerful, powerful that he had two wives. <laughs> you have to be powerful to have two. <laughs> he killed one guy, a young guy, and he was bragging about it. You know, he said, I kill a youngster with one punch only or something like that. And whoever kills me will have to remember that whoever kills Cain will be avenged how many times? And whoever kills Lamech will be avenged 77 times over. So now he is embracing a larger uh, wave of revenge, a larger, larger tale, a narrative of avenge, revenge. And then Jesus came. After all this, Jesus came. And Peter comes to Jesus and says, look, sometimes I don't like my brothers. They're, they're not really nice sometimes. How about if, I, if we, if I forgive him or her, my sister, seven times? Seven times. And Jesus said to him, I will tell you, not only seven times, but 77 times seven. Do you see the parallel there? So Jesus is taking an attitude of revenge that was multiplied and enlarged seven times seven. And now is saying, you will forgive instead of be with this attitude of revenge seven times seven. So forgiveness comes from God's heart from the very beginning. And Jesus Christ will ratify that, will say, that's the right way. Even if you feel that revenge is the best way, is the right way, is the fair way, Jesus say, no, it is forgiveness. Are you still with me? Okay. So please do not continue to sing the song of Lamech, or Lamech, 
Lamech had it wrong. It's not seven, seven times seven revenge. It's seven times seven forgiveness. And I know it is hard. And somebody can think about what I'm saying and say, well, yeah, it's probably easy for you because you're a minister. No, it's not easy for me because I'm a minister. I'm a human being who also has hurts. Now, Jesus and the apostle Paul says that we are alive with Christ because he forgave us all our sins. Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. So, a life with Christ is also living without guilt. And many individuals spend time dwelling in resentment. And there, is many, and there are many uh, people who spend time living in, in guiltiness or with guiltiness. I understand we all behave in ways that we are not supposed to. We all practice sins that we should not have practiced. We all make bad decisions. But if we come before God in repentance and with a truthful desire and commitment to make amends, then we should not live with guilt but with a sense of responsibility. Let me talk to you a little bit about the sense of responsibility as opposed to guilt. You know, many people, uh, when they make bad decisions and do things that they are not supposed to do, they feel this guilt, this sense of, I shouldn't have done that, you know. And, 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 and what is driving them is a sense of guilt. But when you are in Christ, you should live, I should live, not with a sense of guilt, but with a sense of responsibility. What is the difference? Well, a sense of responsibility reminds you and me that you can make good decisions, that there is support available for you and for me, and that we always, with God's help, can do better. But guilt will make you responsible for the past while draining you of the emotional and moral power to do the right thing. So guilt doesn't empower you. Guilt actually drains you. Take away the power that is in you. The moral and the spiritual power to do the right thing is gone when we live with guilt. Now, I love the image. If you, uh, if you can go back to the, the text that we are reading today, the image that he says, Paul says, that he has taken it away, nailing it on the cross. On the cross. You know, that really happened. When Jesus was nailed on the cross, it was, he was nailed on the cross for sure. It happened. But what Apostle Paul is saying is that not, that not only Jesus was nailed on the cross, but all our guilt 
and indebtedness and everything that stood against us was nailed on the cross. So whatever bad decisions, horrible mistakes, really bad thoughts, awful imagination, you name it. was nailed on the cross. Now, I think we have a problem with, with that. And what we tend to do is, I understand you did that for me, but let me tell you, God. I can't. That's good. Let me tell you, God, that's not enough. So we try. So we try. To take it away from the cross and say, I got to carry this because I did that. I think we need to quit trying to be, to being our own saviors. It's easy to become our own saviors, especially in a culture like ours, where we have Superman, Supergirl, Superwoman, Super everything. And we want to be super Christians too. What is your cape? We don't need to be superhumans. We don't need to be super Christians. We have to be super grateful. So it was nailed on the cross, and we should be able to live without guilt. Guilt makes you feel bad and make you. Do good things sometimes. Out of guilt, we do a lot of good things. But it, it does not stop reminding you how badly you have failed. And you try, and I try, to compensate. And I imagine God thinking, do you really get it? Guilt is a monster that is never satisfied. If you or, or I are living in guiltiness, it's because we have not embraced the redemptive love of Christ yet. The text is clear when it says, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. It is amazing when we don't have to pay for something and we still want to pay for something. It's a gift, some people said to you, and you say, are you sure? Why? Well, it's, it's not for free. I don't want anything for free, we will say. And I tell you, there is nothing for free in this world. Somebody already paid for that. Somebody worked hard for you to have what you have, including yourself. The grace of God has empowered many things for us. So even the grace, it was not for free. It was free for us, if we can say it. But it was not free for our Lord on that cross. 
So living without guilt should be a great honor that we give God. Because when we live without guilt, we are telling God, you're right, I'm wrong. Unless you have a super hammer that you can take it away from the cross and say, no, I, I get this, God. So living in forgiveness, living without guilt, living, it will, it will represent living with power. Now, there's no power over human beings or power over institutions or empires or whatever. It, it is the power to overcome personal and structural evil. So living with power in Christ is the power to overcome personal and structural evil. Look at the last, the, last, the last phrase. If you can do that again for me, please. Uh, the last phrase of the text says that Jesus not only nailed our sins on the cross, but he also defeated forever the powers that empower sin. So he said he triumphed over them again by the cross. And I, I need to tell you this. You know, the cross was the ultimate defeat and shame in the past with the Romans. It was the ultimate defeat and shame. But in Christ, the cross is the ultimate defeat of sin and evil. And that's powerful. We want to defeat evil with the sword, or with the gun, or with the button. But God has defeated evil with the cross. And that is my alarm to say, you need to almost finish your sermon. Call to action this morning. I think you are convinced. I hope so. So there is a, a call to, to action this morning. And I will say something before I come to lead the communion time. Are, are you grateful for this table today? Thank you, Kathy. Thank you, Steve. And I don't know if you have another person, an angel or somebody else. Thank you so much. But this wonderful table is not possible without this awful cross. Not this one, but the cross itself. It was awful to have our Lord nail here. But it became the most beautiful symbol, the cross. So this is possible just because of that. Okay? So your call, my call to action and your call to action this morning is simple. I try to make it easy for you, okay? First of all, identify a place in your life where forgiveness has not been embraced yet. Believe me, there are places in our lives where forgiveness is not real. Think about it. 
for a little while, at least today and the days to come. Spend time. It cannot be, uh, there is no a uh, drive-through forgiveness process. You need time to spend time in prayer talking to God about your guilt or lack of forgiveness. This time. Sometimes we don't see it. We can't see it. But then we take time, and God suddenly put a light on there, and you see, oh, my goodness, I didn't know that. As I have had those times where I didn't know that I had a problem with somebody or with myself. Okay? The last one is, while you're praying, ask God to deliver you from any bondage of guilt. Because, you know, remember the crippled woman that Jesus healed? That's exactly how guilt put people. Guilt will cripple your life, your moral, spiritual, psychological, even physical life, if you allow it to control you. So, good news. In Jesus Christ, there is freedom, there is forgiveness, and there is no guilt. So today, go out this century after, the, after communion and the last song and benediction with the sense of gratitude that we have given so much and we need to start repeating the process of giving more and more forgiveness and more and more um, defeating the evil that might be close to our community. Our own hearts. Is that easy? Is that hard? What is it? How you feel? If you still feel challenged, don't worry. We're going to have communion right now. Okay? So, let's pray. Father, today, We have heard clearly that piecing a life together includes forgiveness and being able to live without guilt and live in the power of the cross of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. Please help us as we do so. Amen.